Welcome to Just Curious Media. This is Let's Talk Cobra Kai. I'm Jason Connell. And I'm Sal Rodriguez. All right, Sal. Here we are back for episode two of season three. I don't know if I've ever been more pumped for an episode as I am today. Yeah, because I'm, I feel like we're back in the swing of things. We really are. We knocked out episode one, and now we're moving on. And this episode is entitled Nature vs. Nurture. Very fitting title, I would say. Very much so, because it gets you thinking about a, a person's nurturing, how they were nurtured, or maybe not, maybe not nurtured. You know, <laughs> nurtured. Yeah, exactly, because nurtured, nurture is like a positive word, you know. Right. So, yeah, some people were not really nurtured. They were just natured. Yes, indeed. So, like all episodes this season, this episode came out on January 1st, 2021, and... The rating, Sal, any guesses? The IMDb rating? I think the first episode gave us an 8.3 rating, so I'm going to guess 8.5. Nailed it. Nice. What do I win? Uh, you get to be a co-host on the podcast. Yay. And the synopsis for this episode is, Daniel and Johnny team up to find Robbie. Miguel faces an uncertain future. Kreese tries to bring Tori back to Cobra Kai. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons I'm so excited about this episode is because we go places in this episode we have never gone in the Cobra Kai Karate Kid universe. That's so true. It's a really good point. And this is just proof that the creators are handling this product, this franchise, in the most beautiful and most thoughtful way. They're doing things that us as fans want them to do. And yeah, I was floored by where we go right out of the gate. Yes, I'm floored and I'm I'm double floored because we're going to have a little gift. You know, I last episode I talked about how the creators give us these gifts. They give us these the, these wonderful treats that we can sink our teeth into and this episode starts that right off the bat. It does. And here we go, Sal, through our scene by scene breakdown of the episode. So we open in the San Fernando Valley, circa 1965, Sal. Yeah, not much ahead of when my parents met. Wow. And we're at a diner, and perhaps it's Smitty's, I'm not sure, where we would visit in earlier seasons, a favorite spot of Sensei Crease. There's a varsity captain football player named David, played by none other than Jesse Cove. What? Yes, indeed. That is one Martin Cove's son. Very interesting. Very interesting. Not only interesting that that's his son, but the role that he's playing. Yes. Because I, I, I think- You mean you know, a bully? <laughs> well, no. I mean, as opposed to he's not playing. Exactly. He's joined by Betsy, played by Emily Marie Palmer. And then there's another friend there, kind of a just a sidekick, if you will. And I am kind of shocked, which you just alluded to, because we quickly meet another character, one busboy at said diner. And immediately, Sal, I thought that David was young Crease because I kind of knew that we're probably doing a flashback to Crease's life and not something with Daniel or Mr. Miyagi even. But I really thought that David was young Crease until the scene begins to unfold. Well, let's pause for a moment, if we could, Jason. A couple things which I think are, are huge. First of all, the song playing. Oh, yeah. Wooly Bully. Bully. B-U-L-L-Y. Hello. <laughs> Says it all. And that was recorded by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs in 1965. And hello, Jason, the car that they drove up in. Oh, yeah. You're the car junkie, please. 
Elaborate on the Macon model, Sal. Well, when I talk about gifts from Cobra Kai, this is exactly what I'm talking about. They drive up in the 1948 Ford Super Deluxe. This is Miyagi's car. Uh, I mean, I don't know if we're led to believe as the viewer that that is literally Miyagi's car that will end up in his hands later, I suppose, or that's just, it just looks like it. Coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that's the 1948 Ford Super Deluxe, yellow, mint condition. That is it. More Super Deluxe than Grease Lightning. More, because I think the other one in Grease Lightning is just a Deluxe. It's not a Super Deluxe. Exactly. But this guy, right off the bat, okay, first of all, we don't know who these people are. No, yeah. We don't, we don't know, know who they are. But one thing, the, the driver, when he gets out, what, what does he do? He criticizes this beautiful car, calls it a piece of shit. So right away, I'm like, screw this guy. Yeah. Which is why I thought immediately, is this young Crease? This guy's such a prick, such a hard ass, and he's got an attitude. And I thought, oh my God, he was always that way. But no, Sal, it's not to be. Because as we meet this busboy, played by Barrett Carnahan, we quickly realize that there's a tender side to a younger Crease. Yeah, and I do think it's pretty funny that the boss calls him Crease. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he calls the busboy John. No, no, no. Well, because <laughs> if he just yelled out John, the viewer might be thinking, "Well, who the hell is that?" You may not yeah. put put it together. So he calls him Crease. It had to be done. But I just thought that was hilarious. I uh, imagine Mel's diner. Imagine Mel calling his waitresses by their last name. Yeah, pretty funny. So this scene kind of unfolds. There's a army recruiter that comes by the table and David, you know, acts like a nice guy, then wads up the pamphlet he's given him and throws it on the floor because he's just, he's too cool for school. So he's making some football references and even mentions the fact that you don't show another team mercy. That's why immediately I thought that's got to be him. But Then the busboy comes over. He's a nice kid. And what happens, Sal? Well, the guy's sitting there in the Letterman jacket. What are you looking at, loser? And then the friend says, he's the one whose mom killed herself. Ooh. And then they say, he's a freak. Now, let me just say this, particularly for the younger listeners. The word freak has gone through a metamorphosis over the years. In this era, 1965, you call someone a freak, that was an insult. That's left over from the days of yesteryear when they would have freak shows on the side of circuses, and you had these human oddities and and deformed people who were called freaks. Later on, when I was young, the word freak, after Rick James' super freak, it almost becomes almost a compliment. But in that era, calling someone a freak, incredible insult. So then he trips him later, Sal, and young Crease wipes out, embarrassing, very reminiscent of a scene out of Back to the Future. Yes. Then this leads to what, Sal? Well, first of all, I can't believe these people in this diner are laughing at somebody who had a a horrible fall with a bus tub and all, and people are laughing. Horrible people eating at this diner. But we hear a voiceover from Crease, modern day present Crease. Life isn't always fair. Sometimes the world can be cruel. And that's why you have to learn to be cruel yourselves. Exactly. And now we're at the Cobra Kai Dojo, and Kreese is addressing the students. And he's basically saying, hey, what happened at the high school was unfortunate, but we're going to get stronger and we're going to strike back. Yeah, this is one of those kind of reminiscent of when a general addresses the troops who are about to head into battle, sort of a motivational type of speech, sort of a Patton type of speech. That's what he's delivering here. He's getting his troops ready. 
And it's a quick scene because now we're at the hospital and Carmen's talking to Miguel. And I like the fact that she mentions his pale friend, Dimitri, gave him something. He says, the plastic isn't UV resistant, so don't leave it by a window. (laughs) (laughs) Only Dimitri. (laughs) So funny. Worth mentioning, and that basket from the LaRusso. So the LaRussos have sent a gift basket to Miguel. The LaRussos care about Miguel. They obviously bonded with Carmen. So it's very fitting that they would send something over. And then Miguel asks, where's Sensei? Yeah. Wow. Carmen has banned him currently, but we'll get to that. So now we see Daniel and Johnny driving. And they're looking for Robbie. And Sal, Johnny's a mess. Yeah, and I like that Daniel offers him a green drink, <laughs> one of those green machine types of juices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love those, but Johnny, no, he doesn't like it. Because remember, Johnny loves to eat uh, pizza from the convenience market, right? Oh, yeah. So, green drink, too healthy. And he tries to play the radio, and some rock music comes on, and Daniel quickly dismisses it. So, it's just always fun to see these two together, which we'll talk about more because most of this episode, they are together, which I love. So they're driving along, Sal, and they come across one Malibu Canyon Recovery Center. Yeah, I think this is patterned after the famous Passages in Malibu. Passages is a famous high, high high-end recovery center in the hills of Malibu. Beautiful scenery, you know, beautiful Pacific Ocean view. I think this is patterned after that. They pull up, people are doing yoga outside. Yeah. There's a guy with a paintbrush and a canvas painting. So, this is a very special, serene place uh, for your personal introspection uh, and growth and recovery from drugs and alcohol or whatever, I guess. It's actually beautiful. Very idyllic. Beautifully landscaped. And yeah, as they're walking in, you can tell Johnny a little fish out of water here. And so much, Sal, that they want to check him in. Or at least someone thinks that he's there to check in, which is hilarious. That was hilarious. The lady assumes that Daniel is checking in Johnny. You know, because Johnny's all beaten up. He's got a a battered face. She says to him, you're doing a very brave thing. And I like Johnny (laughs) says, I'm not checking in. I'm no quitter. Yeah, exactly. I'm no quitter. That's hilarious. And then Johnny goes on to say, laugh it up, LaRusso. And they mosey along because we don't even know why we're here yet. I'm not sure what you were thinking. I had totally forgot about this character, to be completely honest with you. And as we go outside, we meet whom, Sal? I was completely thrown off by this. I had no idea. Shannon, Robbie's mother. This is the place Daniel sent Robbie's mother for her recovery. Remember, he agreed to to pay for that. He's going to help out with her recovery. And not just Robbie's mother, but Johnny's ex. In season one, Sal, she was a complete mess. And it's really great to see her have redemption as well and that the LaRussos are flipping the bill. Yeah. And she was surprised to see Johnny and Daniel together. And Johnny says, whatever it takes to find our son. True. But I also love the Chirrucosaurus reference as well as the, I know when you're faking it. Nice. Hilarious. I'm thinking that might've been a Simpsons reference. It could have been. I don't know. In my mind, I just was thinking it was a major monster truck show entitled Truckosaurus that Johnny dragged Shannon to. But it could have been Simpsons related. I'm not entirely sure. But I love that he says, no, you were having fun, weren't you? And she's like, I was faking it. And then he goes on to say, no, I know when you're faking it. 
That kind of went over everyone's head. I'm not even sure if Daniel got that or laughed, but I thought that was pretty funny. I think that Daniel got it. That's why he interrupts. He says, we need to know where Robbie may have gone with the car. You know him the best. I think that he tried to interrupt whatever was going on there. Okay. All right. Well, really funny. Again, Johnny gets all the good lines and that's hilarious. So then Shannon does mention these dimwits. And what does she call them, Sal? Well, she tries to describe them. She says, one looks like Chris Brown, which I've always thought. The other looks vaguely Latin. That's what she says. That's so funny. And as, a, as someone who looks vaguely Latin, I would agree he looks vaguely Latin. So then Johnny goes on to say, hey, what, Sal? Where are we going to find Tweedledee and Tweedledumass? <laughs> I love it. But Daniel knows because he knows these characters. Because, Sal, he's fought them. I totally forgot about when he kicked their ass in the beach. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, he kind of saved Robbie. Yes. They had a third guy with them at the time, uh-huh. a bigger guy. Yeah, great fight sequence. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he has bested them, and we'll get back to them shortly. So now we're back at the Cobra Kai Dojo, and Kreese introduces a mouse. Kreese says, class, you worked hard today. So before you're dismissed, I have a little treat for you. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. And he holds up this beautiful little white mouse. Little white mouse indeed. And he has Bert come up and name the mouse. Yes, Bert names him Clarence, which I think is a cute name. Yeah, I like that too. Well, Hawk wanted to name him Hawk Jr. Yeah, of course. Hawk Jr. <laughs> so Bert wants to feed Clarence lunch. It's lunchtime, this is what Crease had just mentioned. However, Crease has a different idea. Yeah, Bert says, Can I feed him? Crease says, No. He yanks open the curtain or blanket covering this tank, revealing a snake inside. And he says, no, but you can feed him. So we know where this is going. Not good. One Clarence will be lunch for this Cobra. Yeah, because Bert asks, what does he like to eat? Kreese says, he likes to eat Clarence. So now, Sal, this is sad news for us because Bert's unwillingness to feed Clarence to the Cobra Gets him what? Well, what we don't know is that this was a test. And obviously, Bert has failed the test, but Kreese says it like this. Oh, you don't want to feed him? That's okay. I understand. Clarence is your friend. It's okay to object. Who else objects? And a few other guys raise their hand, several students. He yells out, you're off the team. Get out. And Bert's like, but, and Kreese is like, I said, get out. And then I could have sworn he added a, get So, I cannot believe this, Sal, that Bert has been kicked out of Cobra Kai. Yeah, I was very sad to see this. When I saw Bert get kicked out of Cobra Kai, every negative emotion went through my head. I was very disappointed, sad, and angry to see this. Yeah, me too. So, then we cut to Kreese, and he's in his office, cutting a cigar, and Hawk enters. And what does he say, Sal? Kreese says, you sad to see your little friends go? And Hawk answers, no, sensei. And obviously, Hawk wants to talk about something. So, Kreese is like, go ahead and speak freely, son. And then Hawk asks, is this the time to make cuts? We're already down students after the fight. Yep. And then Kreese has very interesting answer. This is addition by subtraction. Yeah, that's an interesting philosophy. And I've heard that before and I get it. You shave the week or at least the week in his mind. And how about this throwback right here? Do you have a problem with that? Where do we know that line from? 1984, All Valley. Oh, yeah. A very crease-like thing to say. No sensei. So, this leads to him also sharing the fact that 
he needs a new champion with Miguel out, because obviously he's not making a comeback anytime soon. He needs a new champion for All Valley, one that shows no fear and no mercy. And you see what a phenomenal manipulator Crease is, how he- He's the best. Crease invented Flip the Script, because Hawk went in there with a concern, and what did Crease do? Flip it around, now all of a sudden he appeals to Hawk's ego, and now Hawk has a grin on his face. Maybe I can be the new champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we're at Tori's apartment. Sal, I don't think we've ever been here before. No, but it is a very Reseda-esque looking apartment. Not just Reseda, Valley. This apartment does look like it's out of the Valley. It definitely fits in line with the South Seas or the Reseda apartments where Johnny and Miguel live. It fits right in there. And she's making a meal for her mother and we see her brother. So we're learning a lot about Tori right away. Yeah, it's kind of a sad sight though because she gives the sandwich to her brother. He walks it into the bedroom. We don't even see the mother yet. We just see her hands except the plate. And then if you look carefully, you see the IV stand there. So you know her mother is there in bed ill. Right. So then she takes the trash outside, Sal, and she runs into one super douchebag slumlord manager. Yeah. And he's the type of character where like after 30 seconds, you're like, this guy needs to have his ass kicked. And that's definitely who he is because Tori walks up to him. Hey, you haven't fixed the leak yet. So we know that he's some sort of at least a maintenance man, possibly a manager, possibly landlord, somebody who's there supposed to be helpful. And instead, he says, and you haven't paid the rent. See how that works? So he's a smartass. Yes. And we also learned that Tori's mother's on dialysis, to be exact, because he mentions diabetes and she corrects him. And this scene just begins to escalate. Yeah. He says, It's not my job to keep track of your excuses. It's my job to cash rent checks. If I can't do my job, you can't live here. And so he continues to hit on her and he mentions that he could call her probation officer and he's expecting a date. I mean, this guy is scum of the earth, Sal. Well, let's be absolutely clear. Tori is indeed a minor. Yes. So this is what appears to be an adult. He is hitting on a minor right in front of us. Not just hitting on her, he's extorting her. He even mentions, hey, at that fight, I should have had some mud and an inflatable tub. I could have sold tickets. Like, this guy is just too much. And we know, Sal, we know that Tori's a badass. Mm -hmm. So, as this begins to play out, what happens? So, he refers to Robbie and Miguel as boys. And he says, see, now if you had a man instead of a boy, maybe things would be easier for you. You wouldn't have to worry about rent. So, he is pretty much telling her, you know, do me favors and I'll do you favors. But Tori puts him in an arm lock and she threatens to break his arm, but he threatens to contact her probation officer. So, she lets him go. She doesn't want to get arrested. And then he says, this is where it's completely crossed the line at this point for me. Maybe I'll see you tonight. But if I don't, I better see you with a check on the first. So, come to my place tonight. Or you better have a check on the first. I mean, no, this guy, he deserves whatever's coming to him. So now Daniel and Johnny are visiting prison, Sal. (laughs) I have a question for you because some of the other inmates, as they're outside in this little courtyard area, I see the initials FSP on some of their orange jumpsuits. And I would think that stands for Folsom State Prison. I would imagine so. But is, is that in California? 
It is in California. Okay, yes, it is. And it's a long way away from where this show is supposed to be taking place. Okay, so here's what I think that they did here. They merged Folsom State Prison, which made famous by Johnny Cash, of course, with either the LA Men's Central Jail in downtown Los Angeles or something called Wayside Honor Ranch, I think it's called, way out in Tehachapi. Those are the only three major uh, lockup facilities in this region. So, I think they kind of merged a couple of them is what they did. Okay. Because if they were to make this drive, it would be like a six, seven, eight hour drive just to go to this prison and see these guys. So, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I'll go with that. So, here they come, one Trey and Cruz. And Sal, this is hilarious. Yeah. Well, I like how Johnny says, worse than rehab, nicer than jail. <laughs> so, this is maybe, yeah, some sort of in-between place. Yeah. Like some sort of detention facility. Like not, it's not the big house, right? But it's not the local police station. So, it's sort of a, of a purgatory of imprisonment. Yeah. So, Daniel says, let me do all the talking, right? He wants to handle this. The officer then brings Trey and Cruz over. He kind of plunks them down to sit with Daniel and Johnny. Yeah. Cruz yells over at the officer, bitch-ass Kevin James, punk. So, he's making a reference to the guy kind of looks like Kevin James a little bit, almost a little slimmer Kevin James. Yeah. Daniel says, we're looking for Robbie. This is when Trey starts to become a smart ass. Yeah. These guys have a lot of attitude. They've been in prison or jail or wherever this is, and they're giving Johnny zero respect. But I like how Johnny says, start talking or you'll be drinking your toilet wine through a straw. Nice. And then I do believe Cruz calls Johnny a punk-ass bitch. Wow. Of which, Johnny does what? Johnny smacks the crap out of Cruz. I couldn't. <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> and Kevin James acts like he didn't even see yes, it. Yes, because Trey's like, didn't you see that? And the guy's like, la, la, la. Yeah. Okay, well, don't call a guard a Kevin James punk bitch and maybe he'll be your friend. How about that? Yeah. So, immediately though, Daniel takes over, slams his hands on the table and gets their attention. And Johnny's a little taken back like, what, you respect this guy? Because Sal, Daniel has kicked their butt. Yes. And it wasn't until this very moment that I remembered that. <laughs> I, really? I completely <laughs> forgot about that. And I was like, oh yeah, he kicked their ass on the beach. Yes. Okay. But I completely forgot about like, why are they giving Daniel so much respect? But then I figured it out. So, Trey starts talking and he references Tech Town, which if you recall, that's the place that Robbie put the shirt on and was doing the bad deeds and taking someone's computer. Tech Town and Panorama City. So, that's the clue. That's the area, the hood that they need to go visit. Well, I'll have you know this, Jason. I'm very familiar with Panorama City because I lived in Panorama City for a yeah. little while in my late teens. As a matter of fact, I sort of have a grievance with Cobra Kai as we will see in the next couple of scenes. So, I also want to mention that Johnny slugs Cruz a second time. Yeah. And again, Kevin James pays no attention. <laughs> <laughs> and Cruz has a little bit of blood coming down. And this leads to a classic Johnny line on the way out. Yeah. Johnny says, better get your friend here a tampon. <laughs> nice. So, now we're back at the hospital and the doctor talks with Miguel as Carmen feeds him. So, the doctor's talking to Miguel, checking him out, giving him a once-over, looking at his feet, trying to poke his toes. And so, this kind of leads you to believe what? Well, the doctor is trying to locate sensation, yeah. nerve endings. You know, he's trying to figure out what he can feel. So, he knows that he can feel what we call the upper extremities, the arms, the fingers, works his way down to the legs and feet. And unfortunately, Miguel doesn't feel anything at his feet. Yeah. No, he doesn't. 
And so the doctor wants to talk to Carmen alone outside and through the glass window, Miguel can see them. And Carmen begins to do what? Okay, this made me so angry. Why the hell is the doctor trying to have this private conversation with Carmen? Right in the view. Right in Miguel's. This stuff. It's for the audience, Al. But no, they could have done it differently, but at least you got to see Miguel's reaction as well. But, But still, what happens? Miguel and us realize that the doctor just told Carmen, your son is not going to walk again. Or may never Or may. Well, look at her reaction. You know, it was a pretty huge reaction. Miguel reacted. We reacted to Miguel reacting. Oh, boy. Oh, not a good moment. Not a good moment at all. No. So now Daniel and Johnny are back on the road. And Sal, I love how Johnny eats corn nuts in his car. And I know both you and I would absolutely hate that. Someone flipping them up in their mouth and maybe missing sometimes. Well, you and I and Daniel LaRusso are all on the same page about eating in the car, but <laughs> totally. Daniel says, oh, be careful with those things. I don't want to be digging them out of the carpet for the next five years. There's no way Daniel LaRusso of LaRusso Auto Group is going to have this car five years from now. That car is a lease. <laughs> so true. And I love how Johnny has no idea how a Bluetooth phone call works. I like that he starts talking into the steering wheel when Amanda calls. Yeah. And he's the passenger, by the way. So, he's leaning (laughs) over like, yeah, yeah. And and Daniel's like, no, it's okay. Just sit back and talk normal. And then, of course, this leads to my favorite line in the official trailer that came out. Oh, yeah. And that is when Amanda says, what, Sal? Okay. So, Daniel says to Amanda, we got a new lead on Robbie. And Amanda goes, a lead? What are you, Tango and Cash? And Johnny says, Tango and Cash were narcotics detectives. This is a totally different thing. And Amanda's like, oh, I'm sorry. My mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda's really funny at that. Her comebacks, her, her wit, very good. One of the funniest lines. Had I not already heard it on the trailer, I would have laughed even more, but it was just so perfect. Great writing. So now we're back at Tori's apartment and she's counting money, Sal. And then there's a knock on the door. Yeah, she tells her little brother to get in the other room. Now, that was interesting. Yeah, what's going on there? Yeah, what are they like, hiding from a social worker? What's what's going on here? Could be because the mom's on dialysis and they can't let this young girl care for her brother. So, yeah, it could be. It could be that at play. Or how about Tori's dad? Who's Tori's dad? Wow. We don't know. But yeah, so... <laughs> maybe, maybe her dad is at the front door. You can tell a lot about a person by how they react when someone knocks on the door. Okay? <laughs> she opens up the door. It's Crease. Chris comes to visit Tori. What is this about? I love that she says, how did you find me? And he's like, well, uh, I did recon in Nam and special forces training and 18 months of covert ops, but your address was on your application. Nice, nice. And you know what? That's a little bit of humor. You, you, you won't see that type of gentle humor. Uh, no. Almost a little bit. But this leads to a very rare, I should say, softer side of Chris coming out. Well, Tori's in a bad place. She says she's not going back to the dojo. Cree says, why is that? She says, community service hours, probation, trying to get my GED, taking care of my little brother and mom. I have rent to pay. Life is kind of kicking my ass right now. And that's when Cree says, you can always kick back. And she says, that's what got me into this mess. And he also shares about his mother and asks about her mother. And they have that kind of connection there. Yeah, but. Knowing Crease as we do, we know this is a manipulative tactic 
But there is some truth to it. Okay, based agreed. on the 1965 flashback. That's true. There is some truth to it. I, I don't doubt that Chris has some pain, but he's using his own pain to connect with Tori's pain to fulfill his own agenda. So he's recruiting her, plain and simple, because guess what? She could be the replacement for Miguel. She's championship caliber more than Hawk is. I, I probably agree with that. I think she's a little more mature than Hawk. Yeah. So, yeah, I think she's probably uh, more mentally fit. So, now we're back to 1965, and young Crease sees David slap Betsy? Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely appalling, and I love that young Crease steps up. Oh, yeah. David says to Betsy, you got more attitude than you do sense. Betsy's like, let go of me. He says, don't ever let me catch you making eyes like that again. So, I think that he's basically assaulting her because he thinks she was flirting with Crease the busboy. Yep. And then David goes on to call young Crease's mother nuts. Yeah. Which is not good sound. Yeah, because he says, you think you got a shot, you're nuts, but I guess that runs in the family, doesn't it? Ooh. Yep. So, Sal, this leads to a 1965 showdown. (laughs) I love that they have the old-fashioned trash cans. I miss those old-fashioned stainless steel trash cans, and I love, I don't mean love, but I mean it was cool to see Crease get thrown into these trash cans, but uh, I was so shocked to see Crease perform the way that he did, but Crease starts to fight two guys. Yeah. And he doesn't know martial arts yet, as far as we know. So he's just fighting these guys. He's got an inner strength because let's be clear, David's a much bigger man. He outweighs him by at least, what, 15, 20 pounds. And I think you always run the risk when you fight a football player of getting tackled. So be careful. You got to keep your distance. But as the fight goes on, Kreese takes his licks, but he also overcomes. Yeah. But of course, David pokes him, gets him down on the ground. You scared freak, kicks Kreese in the ribs. Let me tell you something. You, I don't know if any of you listening have been punched in the face. I have. I would rather be punched in the face than kicked in the ribs. But he overcomes. He takes out the sidekick guy who isn't that big of a threat. And he best David. Knocks him out cold. I like how he tripped him because he had him yeah. facing the other direction. He had his back leg. He pulled it, kind of yeah. pulling the rug out from under him. Really like that. Him off balance. Yeah, I like that yeah. a lot. And then that leads to Betsy looks at young Kreese as her hero, if you will. Well, Betsy comes over. Are you okay? Kreese says, yeah, I've had worse. Need a lift? Yeah. Hey, he's in there. So now Tango and Cash get gas. And we learn that Johnny likes gas station food. Can I just give a shout out to our producers for their transition? The last scene ends with need a lift. This scene opens at the gas station on the handle says lift. Anybody catch that? Who caught that? Their transitions are flawless. And let me just also say that I love the homage to vacation. When Chevy Chase's character says, I'm so hungry I could eat a sandwich from a gas station. Nice. I always love that line. And then here's Johnny saying, yeah, I love gas station food. So good. Well done, folks. I was trying to figure out what that even was that... Johnny was eating. Like a taquito or something? Yes, I was thinking a churro, but a taquito. I bet you it was a taquito because at first I thought a slice of pizza, it was not. Hot dog, it it was not. It was either a churro or a taquito. I think more likely a taquito. Yes. Now, Daniel mentions Tech Town is just down the block. Yep. Remember, Tech Town is in Panorama City. 
Your old stomping grounds. Exactly. So for Tech Town to be just down the block, where would they have to be? Well, they would have to be in Van Nuys. They would have to be in Sherman Oaks. They'd have to be in Pacoima. They'd have to be in North Hills. There are all these areas that are down the block from Panorama City, if not exactly Panorama City. And this is where my grievance will unfold in a few moments. <laughs> okay. So then Daniel gets a text message from Amanda. It says, good news, Miguel's out of the coma. Please tell Johnny. Although I think that would have been a phone call, but still a good message to send. And Sal, I have to mention this because this is just one of the things I like to do. Let me guess. Let me guess. You saw the date on the phone. I did see the date on the phone. Well, there it is for me and everyone else to see. And it is Tuesday, September 11th, a very historic day in our country's history. But that's not even what I want to point out. What I want to point out is this, Sal. The last time September 11th fell on a Tuesday was 2018. Mm -hmm. Now, we know that they probably shot this in 2019, knowing it was going to come out in 2020. However, it didn't come out till 2021 because of whatever reason. But why would you have chosen that date? If I'm not mistaken, September 11th, 2001 was on a Tuesday. I think September 11th, 2001 was on a Tuesday. If you're doing an homage to that Okay, but I probably would have just chosen the date that you want this episode to fall in, i.e. Thursday, September 11th, 2020. Yeah. But that's just me. But I think if I were going to do a September 11th homage, I mean, I wouldn't even make it any other day but Tuesday or I wouldn't do the September. I wouldn't make it September 11th. I would have made it September 10th or September 12th. What would be the point of making it September 11th unless it's going to be a direct homage? That's what I'm saying. I think historically, this franchise picks dates arbitrarily oh. <laughs> and they don't ever match up. That's what I'm saying. They don't match up most of the time. Damn it. We're trying to find meaning. Yes. So then Sal, out of nowhere, while they're at the gas pump still, one Dodge Caravan comes rolling up. Yes. And for those playing along, with a LaRusso Auto Group dealer plate on it. I mean, so that cannot be missed because at first Daniel's like, is that a Dodge Caravan? Uh, yeah, your name is on the back of it. Come on, dude. <laughs> so good. And this leads to a great chase scene. And I love how Johnny jumps in the driver's side. He just jumps in. <laughs> he just jumps in. And Daniel just has to go along for the ride. And of course, since Johnny's driving, we hear Motley Crue kickstart my heart fire up, which is great, Sal. And then as soon as they take off, Corn nuts start a flying all over <laughs> Daniel's face. So now we arrive, and I'm assuming that you're going to take issue with this, but we're at a chop shop in Panorama City. Okay. So let's back up a little bit. Okay. <laughs> we all know this universe is in or near the San Fernando Valley. They're on their way to Panorama City. So at the gas station, which is supposedly just down the street, well, where the hell are they? As soon as they're at this gas station, I said, that is not Los Angeles. That is not Los Angeles. Probably Atlanta. Okay, so, but they did not even try to make it look like Los Angeles. There was some street signs they passed, which definitely were not LA. But then I freeze-framed on Brickhouse Styles Hair Salon, and I Googled it, located at 1352 Sylvan Road, Southwest, Atlanta, Georgia. They've given us so much to make us think we were still in the valley. Now, they didn't even care. They have definitely had a few moments like this. I agree with you. And you and I are purists, and we prefer everything to take place in Los Angeles or the Los Angeles area, including one San Fernando Valley. But I understand. I feel your pain, Sal. 
Well, if you remember the last episode, how much they made it look like Los Angeles by adding garbage to the scene. Yeah. Just bring in the garbage. Bring in the garbage truck. <laughs> so come on, beep, man. Just, you know, beep. if you're going to make me think I'm in the valley, at least make it look like the valley. That's all I'm saying. So now we're at the chop shop and Johnny and Daniel go into action. This reminded me so much of Larry David and JB Smooth right here at this moment because Johnny says, look alive, we got a pursuit on foot. And Daniel's like, on foot? What? No, no foot. Imagine that as JB Smooth. Look alive, we got a pursuit on foot, Larry. Oh, on foot? What? What? No, no foot. Exactly. That was exactly them. So good. And they go into this garage, and as they enter the garage, they're talking about, we got to call the police. And so, all the guys on the inside, and of course, they're all like these tough-looking guys, including the guy that ran out of the van in the first place, and they're outnumbered. And one guy's even got a chain, Sal. He's holding a chain. <laughs> yes. And these guys are greasy. These would be called grease monkeys in years past. Uh, yep. These are unsavory characters for sure. And one is a huge man. Yes. Looks like a WWE fighter. He does. He almost looks like a John Cena style of body. Just like big, like a big dude. Yes. But this leads to a great fight sequence. Yes. And one of the scenes that was featured in the official season three trailer. Yes. Here they are fighting in this chop shop garage. Phenomenal scene in this greasy, dumpy garage. Yeah. And it's great. There's lots of back and forth. Daniel and Johnny go into action. It kind of reminds me of Double Dragon. They came across all these characters and they've got to fight their way out of there. And I love seeing them on the same side of things. And this is like the first time we've seen them in a fight together, which is amazing. Yes, this is the first time we've ever seen Johnny Lawrence and Daniel LaRusso fighting on the same side. And this culminates to this wonderful sequence, which is also in the trailer, of course. But it is Johnny on one side, Daniel on the other of the big guy that I just mentioned. And Johnny goes with a spinning leg sweep. Not unsurprising, Sal. Known for his leg sweeps. Sweep the leg. Yes, indeed. And Daniel goes for a spinning back hill. And they do it simultaneously. So the guy's getting knocked down off balance and his head's getting hit. And they knock him out, which is just a fantastic shot. Really great stunt work here. Yeah, props to that stunt guy too, because he did sort of a, a twist in the air, falling flat on his face. Yeah, it was amazing. It really was. And then, of course, the guy that led them to this chop shop runs off and Johnny tackles him and looks like he might really injure himself. Yeah, Johnny is beating the crap out of this guy. For you UFC fans, he is in full mount. He is on top of this guy. Might, he might as well have rained down elbows on the guy. And then he had to be stopped and restrained by Daniel. And then Johnny and Daniel start fighting. And this guy, <laughs> this guy's like, what the hell's going on here? So he, yeah. he realizes now is his opportunity to make a run for it as Daniel and Johnny start fighting. And then they finally stop. They didn't really get a shot in, but they were just mad. And they, you know, after a fight or after anything super competitive, the juices are flowing, the adrenaline's hot, he's pissed. Uh, Johnny, that is, because he just wants to know where Robbie is. And then, of course, as they go outside, I like that Johnny then goes to the Dodge van. They're not going to ride together now after that fight. So, Johnny's going to take the van. Daniel's in his car. But then Daniel says what to Johnny? Well, they both dig at each other here. They both are sticking yeah. each other's fingers in each other's tender wounds here. That's what's happening. Because 
Daniel says, I should have known better than to team up with a lunatic like you. And Johnny says, you're the one that came to me, LaRusso. And Daniel says, I can't believe you actually taught kids. And you know that that hurt Johnny. So then Johnny comes back with, oh, like you're some great teacher. Look what happened to Robbie. And you now Daniel's hurting. So then he responds, maybe he has a little too much of you in him. Oh, and you. That was the blow. That right was, there. yeah. You could mm. see Johnny's reaction to that. Point LaRusso. That, although that was so hard hitting, that was tough. And I, you could tell it even hurt Daniel to say that. Yes, because you saw Daniel's reaction to Johnny's reaction. Yeah, he's like, ah, that's a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I went a bit too far. <laughs> I do like Robbie, and Johnny's not so bad. And, but yeah, these two have a history. So now back at Tori's apartment complex, Kreese confronts the manager. Yeah, well, he's in the laundry room emptying quarters out of the laundry machine, and Kreese arrives. I'd like to speak with you about Tori Nichols. And this landlord, I mean, so far he has zero redeeming qualities. (laughs) He's just a a, a smart-ass asshole with a bad attitude. He says, look, old man, I don't know you, but if you care about her well-being, you can pay her rent. Or, I mean, really, who does this? He says, or she can do something else to get in my good graces. Really? He says that to this guy? And he kind of gives- It could be her father for all he knows. Yes, I mean, this yes. guy, come on. And then he sort of taps Crease on the stomach like, ha ha. And then Crease gets him in an arm lock, whips out that cigar cutter. Mm. And yes. he has this guy's finger inside that cigar cutter- Ready to chop off the end of his finger. This guy, this manager has been bested twice in one afternoon. So for all of his talk and his gruff, he's kind of a wuss. But look at this. Look how Cobra Kai plays with our minds because who are we rooting for in this scene? Yeah, exactly. Holy cow, we are rooting for Crease. What happened to us? (laughs) And this leads to another one of these great transitions, Sal. From the cigar cutter to Miguel cutting a hot dog at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful nice transition. Nice little cut. By the way, super great. I'm going to start keeping an eye out, a better eye out for these transitions because I probably missed a lot, but now I'm going to start paying attention. So now Johnny arrives at the hospital. And Sal, this is a really touching but yet sad scene. Oh, yeah, because this would appear to be the finality of their relationship right here in this hospital room. Because by the looks of things, if you just look at this scene alone, looks like it could be the end of their relationship, both as sensei and as friends. Because Miguel says, the doctor told my mom I might not walk again. And Johnny says, no, they don't know that. They don't know how strong you are. Miguel says, I did what you taught me. I showed mercy. Why did this happen to me? Johnny says, I don't know. Miguel says, you don't know. I trusted you. I did everything you told me. Johnny tries to talk. Miguel. Miguel says, look at me. He starts crying. Get out of here. Please leave. He kicks Johnny out of his room. Yeah. Miguel is sad. He's crying. He doesn't have any answers. And he's taking it out on Sensei Lawrence. And he kicks him out of the room. And yes, we don't know. Is this the end of their relationship? At least for right now, it is. Well, that's where my mind goes. When you kick somebody out of the room... You're kicking them out of your life. That's kind of how I think. Yeah. So now we're back at rehab and Robbie talks to Shannon, which is great to see mother-son reconnect here. We've not seen them together in a while. And then Daniel arrives. And Sal, this leads to what? 
Well, as soon as Daniel arrives, Shannon excuses herself. Daniel sits down and Robbie starts to apologize to Daniel. I'm sorry you've been stuck trying to clean up my mess. Yeah. Well, that's nice of him to say, you know, hey, sorry. You know, he's apologizing. Robbie asks about Sam. Yeah. So, he's showing concern, not just about himself. Daniel says she's worried about him. They all are. His dad, too. So, yeah. he, he gives a shout out to Johnny there. Now, Daniel apologizes to Robbie. I know you blame yourself, but I let you down. What I said to you the last time we saw each other, that was terrible. I'm so sorry. So, we have these two guys sincerely apologizing to each other. So, a very sweet and tender moment. Yes, it is. Uh, Daniel says he spoke to a lawyer. So, Daniel is trying to help Robbie get out of this situation. Yeah, of course. He has his best interest at heart. You can't have a fugitive out there who gets caught because they will throw the book at you. So, Daniel's put his plan in motion and out of nowhere, here come two police officers. And immediately, Robbie's on the defense and upset and he's pissed at Daniel. You know what? I don't see why he wouldn't be pissed at his mother too, because I think that she was in on this. She absolutely was, but Daniel takes the brunt of it because Shannon's not in the picture right now, and he's holding him accountable. And a little bit's unjustified because he knows that he's in trouble. It wasn't Daniel that got him arrested. It was going to happen sooner or later, but he definitely points the finger and his anger at Daniel. And probably Johnny for that matter too, just Johnny's not there. Okay, so how about this? Not so different from Miguel kicking Johnny out of his room. Daniel says to Robbie, I'll visit you every day. Robbie says, don't bother. Exactly. You knew that was coming. As soon as Daniel said that, I was like, he's going to say this. And of course he does. Don't bother. Robbie's pissed. He's in handcuffs. And he's taken off to jail. And now we're back at the Cobra Kai Dojo. And Kreese again addressing the students... And Sal, out of nowhere, who arrives? Kreese begins this wonderful speech. We are one unit with one united purpose. And in walks Tori in full gi, back to be a member of Cobra Kai. Yep. We hear the bell on the door. And you know it was Tori. You know it was her coming in. I guess you could think it's someone else, but it's great it's her. She's in her gi. She falls right in line. And now we're back in 1965. And Kreese is headed off to basic training, and he's saying goodbye to Betsy, i.e. Dollface, who's quite upset. And what does Kreese say here? The outside of the bus says Monterey. Kreese is on his way to Presidio of Monterey Army Base. That's got to be where he's going. Betsy's crying, and he says he'll be coming back a hero. Yeah, I'll be coming back a hero. So, this leads to a great voiceover, Sal, of which Kreese comes on. And I was thinking, this is one of the longest dialogue scenes I've seen, but what he says is very poetic. And go ahead, do the honors. Well, I definitely think he's taken a page from Shakespeare in something that that he says. Shakespeare's famous quote, there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. So, sort of a similar ideology here. Because yeah. Kreese addressing his students, your whole life you've been told to be good, but good is only a matter of perspective. Always remember your enemies think they're doing what's right. They think they're the hero and you're the villain. But now you know the truth. There is no good. There is no bad. Only weak or strong. And now that we've shed our weakness, it's time to show our strength. 
If you can do that, I promise you, and he looks straight at the camera, yeah. you will be unstoppable. Wow. Holy cow. You know what this episode made me think? What if when all is said and done and Cobra Kai is a memory, the whole universe was about crease? Mm. You know what it makes me think of? Nature versus nurture. <laughs> <laughs> this episode I loved. Oh, I loved this episode. It was great. And of course, that's the ending. We get the big Cobra Kai logo and we're out. And what an episode. You can tell, like after the first one, picking up the pieces, we get Cobra Kai moving again, and this one just starts to go to the next level. We've seen a fight sequence with Johnny and Daniel on the same side and then at each other. We see Kreese taking control, recruiting, using his master manipulation skills. And we see a young Kreese and kind of see where this all came from. You know, he was bullied and he decided to step up. And there's more to come. There's much more to come. And I don't have to say this to the listeners who are fans of the show, but if you can show us a young Kreese, you can possibly show us a young Miyagi. Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking the same thing, my friend. Let's hope. Let's hope it happens. So thank you so much for listening, and please be sure to subscribe to Let's Talk Cobra Kai wherever you get your podcast. You can also really help us by giving the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. And for all you listeners that enjoy sharing your thoughts, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, send us a direct message, or post a comment on our social media, which is at Let's Talk Cobra Kai. We also highly encourage checking out the Let's Talk Movies podcast and visiting JustCuriousMedia.com. No mercy.